0: In the back of my mind, Christian life was a treadmill. We just slowly turned the treadmill up. Crisis is not our enemy. In fact, nothing good happens without crisis. We see people living in a kind of way that we would like to follow, charting a kind of route. I guess I'd gone from worshipping the waves that God made to worshipping the God who made the waves. And surely
1: that's got to be so much more inspiring.
0: It's Halloween, Zan. You have a costume.
1: I do. I'm dressing up as Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> so taking your shirt off.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, Susie and I bought a Jabba costume and a Princess Leia costume, and it's been our running joke to have me wear the Leia costume because it's very unflattering.
0: But plus, I've never actually seen you in the Jabba costume, so I know I'm excited. It's One of those ones with the fans, so I'm hoping it stays all cool. Yeah. now you look great. <laughs> Guys, this is the Ansons podcast, and this week we are talking about combat. There was an article in this past issue of Ansons
1: called "Cousin Dwalo" that was inspired by a conversation that we had with a guy who was out in town. There was a group of them, and he raised this question of like, we all. I don't know why he was lumping us in this category, but he was making the assumption that there's a particular audience that likes reading books written by. Navy SEALs, Marines, lone survivor, you know, this is a genre of film and literature that people are now applying to civilian life. And he was saying, those guys, you know, when you see someone who has been or is currently active military, they look like a badass and you can tell. But his question was, how do you tell when a guy's a spiritual badass, do you get some kind of spiritual muscles ripped or something. And that inspired this conversation of like, what can you take? What lessons are worth sort of hijacking from some of those guys' lives and experiences? And also, how does it apply to other realms than just the battlefield?
0: Totally. You know, the point being that as young men committed to living in a world at war, and I mean a spiritual war, underpinning the physical wars that are going on right now as well, But as people trying to mature as participants in a battle, it just would be an oversight to not study people who are committed to war. It would be an oversight to not study elite warriors and see what techniques you can glean. Like, it's no accident that ex-Navy SEALs often can become executive coaches, that are effective at running companies. And it's because leadership skills are leadership skills. Tactical skills are tactical skills. I mean, what? Sun
1: Tzu's The Art of War is like maybe the most known book on strategy that everyone has not read.
0: Yeah, exactly. Although if you look up top books on management, here's this ancient book on warfare that always comes up of like, oh, you're a manager of people? Read The Art of War. Simply because if you understand human nature, you'll be better equipped uh, to deal with human beings, as most business people do. It's a little bit ominous, those two being connected, but we'll move right along. So today is four points that are from reading Navy SEALs and reading Navy SEAL Survival Guides. A number of years ago, Dad brought Cade Courtley's kind of famous Navy SEAL survival guide into the house and leafing through it. It was like, oh, that's cool. It's helpful for getting out of tough situations. But then later, thinking about it, kind of had the revelation, oh my gosh, you can apply those anywhere. And then more recently, I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast, probably a lot of cross listeners out there. And Tim. Timmy P. And our boy Tim. Timmy F. Timmy F. And Tim was out of town, so this Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink, who has his own podcast, took over. And I'm sitting in the car, and I'm listening to a person whose mindset is war. And actually, kind of being confronted by the the degree to which he isn't bothered that he lives in a world at war, whereas I tend to be a little more resistant to the idea of like, oh my gosh, is everything battle? Like... Why do I have to fight for our Saturday Sabbath? Why does every fresh thing require some level of contending? And then I was listening to this guy who's an earthly warrior who's just like, everything requires contending. I shape my life around that reality. And in many ways, it was like listening to a monk whose life has fully conformed to the realities of his worldview.
1: Mm. I'm struck by a lot of the ways that we view warfare and battle and contending for things around here. And genuinely, the first thing that I hit every time is this internal sigh of, really? Like this too? I mean, we play spike ball behind the outpost, and if it's not going well, there's this moment where I know it's probably not us. We should probably contend for this thing because if anything, joy and goodness and life are going to be the things we have to fight for the most. I understand that empirically. That is a fine scientific idea. And then when it's out there in real life, my first reaction is, really? Like I'm going to have to deal with this again. So I'm really intrigued by people and your correlation of this guy to being a monk of just what happens if you believe it to be true and live it every single day.
0: Yeah, exactly. And simply to that, Saturday, Emma and I do a Sabbath and it was this past weekend and it's Sunday morning and it was like the Sabbath had never happened. We just had a full day off, but suddenly it's back to managing a baby who seems to get sick a lot and trying to show up on time for commitments with our community here. And I just start to feel the thing that's like, it's just, you know, it's not worth it. Agreements start coming in. And then I'm like, oh, really? Even after a day of intentional engaging with God, the very next thing is battle. And just aware of that posture in me that doesn't want to dive in and being confronted with like, no, this is battle. And then how do I live in a way that we start winning, that I'm aligning myself to the realities of Jesus, that I'm you know, adopting combat techniques to live in a world at war.
1: Right, and there's one final thought before you, you'd you launch off in this, like. In any other category, if we applied this idea to it, we would be okay with it. Like say farming, you want a harvest, therefore you have to put work into it. You can't just go, ah, work is kind of hard and I don't really like it. And I just kind of want to go with blessing. I just want the joy. I want the party. I I want the harvest party. And you kind of go, well, you don't get that if you don't do the work and the tilling and the protecting and the fighting off of the virus and the bugs that come through. Like you don't get that unless you, we're okay. We understand that when it comes to other things, but in this particular arena, I think a lot. my tendency, a lot of people's tendency is to jump straight to either, oh, I just want the good stuff, or, uh, oh, this is kind of hard, and it's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, are we all third graders and we just want to get to the good stuff?
0: Like, of course we do. Well, sometimes I feel like a third grader. <laughs> yeah, way too often. All right, kick us off. Where are we going? All right, we're going to do two from Kid Courtly Survival, and then we're going to move over to my boy Jocko and his book on business leadership where he also talks about combat tactics. This is not not his 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 children's book. (laughs) No, that one is different. Uh. We could go there too. But so Cade Courtley, Navy SEAL Survival Guide, where he starts his book is the concept of developing what he calls a trigger. And, And this isn't like a negative trigger. as in like your house burned down so you can't watch movies where houses burned down. This is the idea of as simple as do you have a clear and fleshed-out reason for the way in which you're living your life. We have a podcast, and, you know, several you times— You may not be aware of it. You're listening to it. Several times a season, we run into a situation where an interview fell through. Uh, people are saying no a lot. It's just all of the things that, you know, Seth Godin would call a dip, all the things that make doing the work actually difficult. And that's when, if we don't actually have, like, a very clear vision that our podcast— comes out of or is a response to, then the project dies. Mm. But if you have developed the trigger, what Kid likes to say is, when you get in a situation that's difficult, you need to be ready to pull the trigger. Like this is the thing that gets you moving, that drives you into action. And so like a classic example would be, we're members of a missional community, a home church community here in Colorado Springs. And Em and I are part of one that's, you know, one side of town. Sam and Susie are part of a different one almost every morning that there is some obligation, some like, okay, we've agreed to this rhythm. We're heading over. We're going to pray for the city in this area. And then I run against... The, the opposition of the church in the world. Like, every time. It's not like, oh, cool, we were going to do a worship night, and we really wanted to go, and we went, and it was amazing, <laughs> and then we just continued enjoying the bliss of our salvation. It's yeah, like, like,
1: what plot, what book, what story, what
0: anything unfolds like that? I mean, whose life goes like that? <laughs> awesome. It's, there's a worship night, and I just ruined dinner, and am stressed because She's had a baby all day and I didn't come home for lunch, so she hasn't actually eaten enough and we're trying to move out the door. And this is one of those moments where it's like, okay, what's the trigger? What is our vision for our marriage, for our mission in the church, for the need of worship that's going to get us moving when actually all of the momentum is against us moving in a good direction. Mm.
1: I like his metaphor because it implies action, obviously fairly dramatic and explosive action. What comes to mind to me is almost like a wall when things push you back up against something. So like the resistance, the difficulty, the what is your threshold? What is your wall? What is your line that you're going to hit before, in his case, the metaphor works really great because there's this before the explosive action forward is re-triggered again, is reactivated, is re... I, I use the own metaphor and, and description. <laughs> That's super helpful because for your example with hanging out with the MC, so <laughs> we just stop going. <laughs> we, also, we make it to like maybe 25% of things because we just got to a point of like, well, this happens and then we get pissed and then we fight with each other and then we get mad at everybody else who's there because of their way of not handling us well. And for us, our trigger is mostly do we want to keep USS Eldridge family afloat? Not. Do we really want to be engaging this community? In which case, if engaging the community isn't the trigger, it ain't going to happen.
0: Totally. And it it just even makes me think of like Paul writes about Jesus uh, on account of the vision that was set before him and during the cross of like this basic concept of do you have a grounded reason, a vision of what you're moving towards and why that is capable of withstanding difficulty, that is the thing you can rely on to propel you through conflict? And if not, you kind of need to develop that thing or you're starting out of the game. Right. I almost
1: I almost feel like I need sayings everywhere. You know, like gyms have those big motivational graffiti on the walls and locker rooms have like their quote over the door before you go into the field like to center you a lot of people get like identity things tattooed to them I almost feel like I need to be the guy from Memento where there's just I am riddled with lines and tattoos and my house becomes like a graffiti art project where it goes your purpose is not just getting through the day and finding some measure of comfort and going back to bed but it sure seems like it is sometimes a lot of the time unfortunately so it, that charge again to be like, what's your trigger? What is your purpose? What is your life goal here? What like I get annoyed at that person because I'm like, go, go away, person. I'm just trying to make myself and my wife dinner. Like that's that's my trigger tonight. Feed the family, literally. No metaphysical greatness or oneness. And then that gets to be a real drag, real fast. Like I, we burn through the tank and hit empty, and look around and go oh my gosh, like how often, how long have we been doing this? And this is why I feel like I need to be the, you know, the crazy guy with the short-term memory. But the guy who just needs it like plastered. In our community, people write things on their mirrors. They write note cards and tape them to their computers. They get tattoos. They put things on the dashboard of their car. Our desks are like mini Tory gates where you actually like need to center yourself and go... This is what's true about me. This is what's true about me. This is what's true about my work. This is what's true about my relationship
0: with God. Every freaking day, I need that stuff. And that's combat lesson one. There's a really nice transition here because you mentioned that most people, they seem to view their life as an occasion to experience comfort. Like their motive is to get to a meal or to get to bed as quickly as possible. And everything that interrupts that is contrary to their objective purpose of like, comfort is the goal. And Kate has a really basic comment on that. And his first advice of becoming someone who can withstand a crisis is to aggressively expand your comfort zone. And this is fascinating as a daily practice because it can actually help reframe some of the things that you run across. I think of Dan Allender talking about how in our podcast on conversation, he says that, Conversation is something that you actually need to practice because when the adrenaline is up and your cortisol's going crazy, it's hard to make good decisions and you're in the space where if you haven't become comfortable in that environment, you're going to bail or you're going to say the wrong thing or you're simply going to make a bad decision. But something like on purpose, asking a hard question in a conversation with your wife or close friend to go, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and use this as an opportunity to expand my comfort zone here with with what I can handle interpersonally with you. Mm. There's obviously, like, the physical dimension of that, of, like, are you someone who can handle basic discomfort, which I think is actually really important since, you know, our bodies aren't just the shipping container of our soul. They actually influence our soul and, by extension, our spirit. But there's, like, you know... I'm not saying everybody should go sit in the freezer for fifteen minutes <laughs> to, you know, become a better spiritual warrior. Take a nice cold shower, which I do every day. <laughs> that's that is what you're saying. That's not the point. That's not the point. But it, but, <laughs> but the point is, where are you in your life with God? Where are you in your mission? Intentionally expanding your comfort zone, like viewing difficult things as an opportunity to be someone who's actually pretty at ease in the middle of conflict in general.
1: Mm. Yeah, there are so many areas that I know that I am comfortable hearing someone's story and having a conversation any day of the week. Very comfortable. If you tell me more about your story, I have just so many things I can play with and and go and and love doing that. Our trip to Guatemala as a family uh, back in high school, seeing the trash dump that was the size of a mall and people living in it, not my comfort zone.
0: Yeah, I think even if something that's much simpler is like, you know, you regularly have your daughter for whole days, which for me, since like my threshold is like an you know an hour or two with Ailish before Emma's back from something, there was an opportunity with a captivating retreat a few weeks ago to like jump on it, give something to Emily and be like, okay, you know, taking point for four days as a dad, like, that makes me nervous because, you know, what if Eilish doesn't nap and there's, you know, no miraculous wife to step in and help, but actually go, oh, this is, I want to be able to do this as a dad. This is an opportunity to expand my comfort zone into that re- region. And like, it's just a basic tool. I'm not running around going, like, expand my comfort zone here, do something difficult here. Like, But there is the mental framework of, as a daily practice, where are you becoming comfortable both with the spiritual life and with the things that you're called to?
1: Boom. Boom. Give me another one. All right. I'm feeling Um, it. All right.
0: We're going to shift to a super basic combat principle derived from the Navy SEALs.
1: But what- Is this the 40%? The rule of 40%? Is this combat breathing? Is this get off the X?
0: This is get off the X. Okay. So, get off the X basically means what is the prime threat to you in a situation, like you're, you know, you're standing in the crosshairs, and what is the thing that is posing the most significant threat, and how do you disarm that or move out of the way as quickly as possible? Who right
1: now, I want you, I want you to raise your hand in your car, in your office, wherever you are, who right now is thinking about a fight with their spouse?
0: Dude, that was totally my example. <laughs> that is, that is, everybody's thinking about it right now. Let's be honest. I, well, I, you know, so I think of times that I've actually seen people, like I've seen dad, handle something coming up in mom's heart really well, which is to diffuse the immediate stimulus of a conflict to then provide some, some breathing room to actually go after the root cause. And so, you know, say mom is stressed about She's got a teaching coming up, and she's not totally sure, you know, what she should do. And on the one hand, dad could come in, and he could offer to help write it. He could point out that she's taught before, and this isn't anything to worry about. But I've seen him simply go, okay, what is the thing right now that is causing this fear to escalate in mom? Mm. And I've just seen him go like, ditch it. Like, and I suspect that he knows that that's not going to be the landing place. But I've adapted that with Emily with certain things of, you know, be like, well, hey, we don't have to go. Like, Mm. and, you know, there have been times we've been about to leave for trips and it's the, and there's a lot of money on the line and there's a lot of planning on the line, but being able to actually go, you know what, hon, we do not have to fly to Seattle tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, remove that and actually remove that. And all of a sudden, with the, you know, the prime stressor removed, then you have, the crisis is over, or the crisis is forestalled, and you can actually have a conversation about what's coming up in another person's heart.
1: Yeah, this seems, in another example, to be like the best advice that we've gotten about hearing the voice of God, or li- doing some listening prayer, is taking the pressure off. There have been so many times when we've gone to mom and dad or other people or just sat down on the couch, the two of us, Susan and I, and tried to hear the voice of God on a massive decision. And we didn't see the pattern right away that we were mostly trying to hear the voice of God around big, important, massive, time-sensitive choices. And it was dad's advice years ago of like, the pressure is not gonna let you hear. And these ideas of time constraints and it being a massive deal right now, all of those are just gonna shut down those channels. And so what can you do to delay the time pressure? What can you do to set this aside and think about something else? And really it revealed that like this, like the thing before of expanding your comfort zones, we hadn't been listening to basic things. We hadn't been practicing the, okay, just father me today and speak different things to me throughout the day and I'm listening. And he'd only gone to him to listening prayer in crisis mode. Tell me, should we quit our jobs? Should we move to Colorado? Should we intervene with our, brother who's totally being a jerk.
0: <laughs> S- I, somebody I, else, I, not uh, you. <laughs> uh, wow, Sab are you praying for me? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: like just that that advice alone, I think, is something that I probably will print on the business cards and, and hand out to people of like, take the pressure off. It's the best thing you can do for, for hearing. And it's the X in that category, right? Like if I'm going to take it away from the spouse examples, because... Susie, I know you're listening. We, we never have any times when we need to get off the X together. We're totally fine. Um, but in
0: a hypothetical world. <laughs> and neither do Em and I, actually. Now yeah, that you mentioned it, I remembered.
1: Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, get off the X is huge.
0: Yeah, get off the X. So some other super basic ones, like can you identify the prime threat in a situation? I think of people who are often recovering from addiction or get off the X is stop being alone sometimes it's needing to get out of the house. Prime stressor right now is the fact that I'm sitting on my couch twiddling my thumbs. Or there's, hey, there's a thing coming up, and I can tell that, you know, back in a family example for my wife and I, the issue is that she can't see, you know, I already talked about this in the self-knowledge thing. She can't see Sabbath coming, and is sensitive to that, so getting off the X's planning, like putting on the calendar a day when there's nothing. And all of a sudden, what could be uh, the major threat to our kind of family's equilibrium has been addressed. It's like, it's so widely applicable. It's just insane.
1: Yeah, I think what I like about the posture too is that it's not what I think we would expect the advice to be. And we would expect the advice to be, well, just really kind of tuck your chin, duck your head. Tighten up and take this thing down. Whatever the current catastrophe, dilemma, opposition, threat—your pick your word, whatever it is. Like the typical thought is to, well, you got to take it down. And actually, this has a lot of grace to it. Of no, get out of that situation, and then you can actually think more clearly and move more efficiently. It's not that you were disengaging from it entirely. It's that you were removing yourself from the X, the point of target, and that you were then, when you're free from that point, you can re-engage to use more of this language that we, we use all the time. But in this context, it sounds very militaristic. I didn't know which ones you're doing, so I kind of threw it to you the combat breathing 40% thing, which are two different rules. And I think they actually apply really nicely to this because again, those are ideas, strategies, mindsets of like, combat breathing, slow it down. Five seconds in, five seconds out. Like, this is not the crisis that you think it is, and you are going to make a very bad decision if you make it quickly and from the hip. So slow down. And the 40% thing is usually applied in exercise, but it applies to long exertions as well. And it's telling yourself that you are actually only 40% through what you think you have to offer the situation. So not only can you give more, you aren't even halfway through what you've got to give. And they're just these really kind, I mean, shifts, postures, ways of seeing things that they're paradigm shifting.
0: Yeah, they're really important. My last one comes from Jocko Willink, a book he co-wrote with another, ex Navy SEAL. And it's, it's hyper-tactical, and it's actually four parts, so I'm kind of getting a four for one here. Hey. But it, but it is all composed of, uh, in the extreme tactics of handling an individual combat situation, what do you do? And I love these, especially in because these are rote skills that I do practice as part of the spiritual life, especially in spiritual warfare. And so the first one is cover and move, or cover and maneuver. And Jocko will talk about how that applies to teamwork, but simply, I mean, we can make it even more simple than that. This is something that I will do. You know, I'm I'm having a conversation. I'm going to make it about marriage again. I'm having a conversation with Emily and, you know, you hit that point where you think you keep processing, but you're feeling the spiritual thing like dismissal or frustration coming and like, the cover and maneuver will come up for me is like, hey, um, let's just, um, can I pray really quick? I'm like, hon, I'm feeling some things I need to pray. And I will do some acts of spiritual warfare, bringing the victory of Jesus Christ against some false spirit and the authority of Jesus, sending it to his feet, and then picking up the conversation again after that and repeating that pattern of, yeah, en- engaging the human element of the situation and then also turning, because I think, The two temptations as a person with some kind of spiritual tactical awareness is a person brings me a concern simply to go, this is warfare. Like, because there is warfare going on and immediately launch into, you know, what do I break agreement with? What do I bring the work of Christ against? Where do I proclaim that I'm crucified to the world and view that as the like sum total or simply I'll simply go to the human element and be like, we can process through this we can handle that, but... So just cover or just move. Exactly. And so to put the two together and to view like, actually, this is a very basic, very helpful thing of, hey, let's let's pause in this conversation to address this spiritual dimension to pray together and then return to the conversation. And, and then we're going to hit another point where we need to pray against something else. And we're going to pause and do that. And then we're going to return to the conversation. And simply adopting that, like you and I have to do that when we're planning Anson's issues or when we're, you know, trying to figure out who should handle correspondence with a particular contractor. There's like, wait, hang on, I'm feeling this. Pause, actually handle the spiritual element, do some prayer, return to the conversation, and kind of this tactical back and forth. All right, second one in this, uh, in this four for one. Yeah, you got so, your inception here, your yeah, four and four. Sorry, guys. Uh, one, cover and move. Two is simple. That's it. It's simple. What is it? Is, is it simple? It's what it's simple is simple. Simple is, are all of the strategies that you're using uh, simple enough that anyone can do them? And are they simple enough that you can do them? Like, how do you take a situation that's starting to heat up? And how do you respond in a way that's like, you don't need to, you know, memorize some complex series of relational postures. Like, you know, you don't have to like, Immediately do some complex yoga routine. Literally, I'm t- like, this <laughs> no, totally. is the solution, right? It's yeah, like,
1: yeah. Oh, I think about how this applies. We, Susan and I have been doing a little bit of research into like our, our eating and good habits to be building for our family. And just some of the best advice we keep finding over and over again is craft the way that you're going to be eating into a thing that you can do every single day without thinking about it. And not that it's okay, so on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we do this. And then, you know, we're going to fast from Candida this every other month. And we're going to just this weird algorithm that is, I'm not sure if it's my cheat day or if it's this or that. And it's like, no, actually, you need to build to the, the simple thing because it's taking a very different direction than just than marriage and conflict. But as I'm sure he applies it to many areas, what's something that you can do? Simplify it down.
0: Exactly. So two other areas. Prayer, you know, what is it, James 4, 7 of submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That is a great, simple technique to employ when you're under spiritual attack, when you're under accusation, when you're beginning to feel a ton of anger, when you're just ready to dismiss a project because it isn't going well and you think it's just dog shit, is to go, okay, simple tactic. Submit to Jesus, like Jesus, all that I have belongs to you. I break agreement with I hate this project, renounce the place that I've given my enemy here. I come under the covering and the authority of Jesus Christ. Boom, submission, like coming under the rule of Jesus, submitting your paradigm, your mental framework to the established frameworks of the kingdom, and then going. And, you know, given that having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them in the cross, like, and I bring the cross of Jesus Christ against destruction, against destruction of my work. I cut it off. I bring my work under the rule of Jesus Christ. Like that that's not a complex prayer. Like you didn't read Nicodemus of the Holy Mountains book, Unseen <laughs> Warfare, 10 times. Breaking
1: the darkness. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of people that actually was pretty complicated. And we'll have to host our spiritual warfare 101 event later on. But the key part of that, like the submitting and resisting, like, dang, dude, you like that is very easy. That's very, that's something that you can learn
0: and practice and do. Absolutely. So three, somewhat redundant to other tactics, but three is prioritize and execute of a situation's unfolding and you're going, okay, so what is... You know, what's my number one priority, my number two priority, my number three priority? And I'll actually do this, like, as a workday technique, this is super effective, where, you know.
1: (laughs) Gosh, I can't see why. (laughs) I like the fire hose technique. Everything at once, it's all overwhelming, and then I end up doing nothing.
0: Exactly. You know, I'll come into work and ask the question related to a project of, if I do one thing, if I do one thing today to move, you know, the Ransom Tart mission down the field, what will that be what is the thing that is actually most in need of my attention and like knock that off the list and the crazy thing is is you don't need to do this indefinitely like when you're prioritizing you actually don't need to do as many things little little tidbit there about that technique of like and you know it's the classic not totally accurate saying that they like to bring up in medieval movies of cut off the head of the snake and the body dies And it's like, okay, man, what revolution works that way? But it actually is true kind of in principle that if you nail, you know, a top priority work target, a lot of the underlying things don't require your attention anymore. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. Four, Four is awesome for people living in community. And we're actually assuming that every podcast listener has friends, hopefully some people you're walking with. And for some of you, that's not true, but that is temporary. You need people to walk alongside. Though we've also admitted that if you are
1: in your 20s and you're taking some of this seriously, you probably are very lonely. And that might not be friends, plural, that might be friend. Blaine's joke of band
0: of brothers is really more band of brother first seasons at a time. Absolutely. So four is decentralized command. And this is actually... One of the success pieces of Ransom Tart is emphasizing a workplace where every person is walking with God, and every person is allowed to kind of come forward to leadership and go, I'm hearing this. Because when you're following the Trinity, then any person who has access to the Trinity can actually be a key part of discerning long-term strategy. And this is like this is massively helpful in a marriage of going like, yep, men in the marriage, we think you should be offering your strength. We think you should be taking risks. We think you should be vulnerable. But if you think you're the only person who can come up with a solution, that's just a way to get your butt kicked in a spiritual war. And even the world's elite warriors know like, yep, there are commanders. However, there are multiple people in any given situation who can make decisions to keep responding to an emerging conflict and i don't know how many times oh my gosh emily like i'll be about to throw down because my default is to like go into an intense time of prayer and emily will be like i didn't really think we need to worship or i think we just need to take a walk like both of us responding to our life either one of us has permission to actually point out what the next thing that we need to do is mm-hmm. so and this is you know i'm just on a rant here but you know we'll just talk about the ansense team where like we've established a structure where you know anybody can schedule a podcast where anyone can reach out and schedule an interview and so rather than and we have key areas where we are in charge and where we're responsible but we also are allowed to respond on our own keep going like as a work technique as a relational technique decentralized command is a great way uh, to not lose in a spiritual battle. It's true in the church, by the way. It's part of the reason that every person is like, you know, we're a kingdom of priests and all that.
1: Right. Because if you just rely on one person, one area, one form of leadership, chances are when the wind blows the other direction, everything's going to come crashing down and you're going to feel very vulnerable and very exposed. I'm trying to think of other examples and ways that applies, but I think... We're all relatively intelligent and can understand the ramifications of putting leadership or direction or even just strength. Like this one feels like a, the metaphor. The youth pastor and me that wants to just extrapolate the metaphor and go like, yeah. So you know, if your gifting really is and asking people questions and hearing more about their heart, that's kind of like having that be your only form of command. And are you actually able to be vulnerable and share from your own story? Is that something that you you typically avoid and hide from?
0: Totally. Or if in your group, there's one person who is kind of the vulnerable question asker, it is a tactical error to let that person be the only one. Like, you've done lay counseling training, you're great at engaging people's stories. But if I assume that you, Sam, are going to be the story engager in every situation, you know, what what we then have is like one person who knows how to use a certain machine gun and like you're having a hard night, all of a sudden that capacity is gone. Totally. And there's some implications there of
1: learning from other people and their strengths as well and not, you know, there's a well-roundedness that can be implied and then taken from that that's really, really good.
0: So that's it. That is all for, give or take, Sam's bonus to give or take that one was a four and one (laughs) have a trigger expand your comfort zone, get off the X, and then employ basic combat principles like covering and maneuvering, keeping it simple, prioritizing, and making sure that command is decentralized, all of which is derived from real-life physical combat, and all of which is applicable in the spiritual battle in which we're engaged.
1: Thanks for listening to the podcast today, guys. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we hope that you might send this along to someone in your world. I'm not asking for a five-star rating or a review. Rather, that if something about this podcast struck you, that you might pass
0: this off to somebody that you think would really enjoy it. Looking for more? Good news. There is a new issue of Anson's Magazine. If you're listening to this after October 10th, if it's before October 10th, you can just wait And there's always the chance we might be late Sometimes we send you guys over to social media to keep up with us But so little really happens on social media now That's kind of a moot point point. And make sure you keep your eyes peeled for our films rolling out in the fall See you guys next week